0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life in the Red podcast, presented by the Lincoln Journal Star. Luke Mullen, alongside Amy Just, and if you're watching us on the web, you know we, we promised last time the video would be coming. <laughs> you get to see us doing this podcast live. If you're listening on Spotify, you're probably confused. You're like, "This is this is an audio podcast," but here we it's are.
1: Both. <laughs> here we are both. from
0: yeah from the Journal Star Studio. So, thanks everybody for tuning in. This is episode two of our, our season, you know, covering Husker football, volleyball, mm-hmm. anything else that comes up. And today, you know, we're we're gonna be talking football, of course. And you know, the main conversation is Northwestern, the biggest game on the schedule. We'll break down all 12 opponents, you know, talk through the season, see how, you know, we kind of think it's gonna play out, and also you know, some mm-hmm. early observations from practice. You know, obviously we've we've gotten the chance to have a couple of different media availabilities. You got the chance to see a little bit of practice. We'll see a little bit more tomorrow, too, um, from that open session. And to me, you know, the biggest thing that stood out was Frost's comments on Casey Thompson. Obviously, you know, the starting quarterback job, that's always going to be something that Mm -hmm. people are interested in. And Frost, he said, it's Thompson's job to lose.
1: Yeah, and he basically said that, though not as directly during media days. uh, I was in India, and we were talking quarterbacks, and even then he said that Casey's fully healthy. He's going to get the first reps with the ones. And then last week he said that a lot of the quarterbacks are playing really well right now, but he's pleased with what he's seen from Casey and that we will keep him working. But right now it's his job to lose, which that's what we all kind of figured. But it's interesting for him to be that direct about that right now. That's just a little unlike him.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we've been we've been kind of. Getting a chance to talk to a lot of the assistant coaches, you know, the position coaches, and, you know, you get a little bit more of a sense, obviously, how they see their rooms, Um, but obviously, you know, for the head coach to, you know, pretty directly talk about the starting quarterback job, here's the full quote, in in case you're curious, Frost said, we've got a lot of quarterbacks playing really well right now, but I've been really pleased with what I've seen from Casey, we'll let him keep working, and right now it's his job to lose, so... You know, pretty strong stuff. And and obviously, like you said, you know, we're kind of expecting Thompson to be in that role. So just kind of a confirmation of that. Um, but obviously, we haven't, we haven't had that same level of, you know, <laughs> security at all the other positions. There's mm-hmm. obviously still a lot of things going on. Um, a couple of weeks of practice left to do. And it seems like starting running back, you know, obviously, there are a lot of guys in the mix that still seems to be up in the air. And wide receiver, too. You know, we were talking about there's a lot of different guys. You know, you get the transfers coming in. And so far, you know, I guess the the cohesion is, has been kind of an issue. Mickey Joseph kind of sounded off about that at practice, didn't he?
1: Yeah, so last week, uh, Mickey was talking about consistency, and one of the reporters asked him who the most consistent person has been, and Mickey said himself. Uh, he's looking <laughs> for a lot more consistency from those guys. He's looking for an alpha in that room, a leader hasn't necessarily stepped up just yet as of last week. And I asked Frost about that, uh, about Mickey's comments on Friday, and Frost said that he's seeing a little bit more consistency out of them now. Um, he didn't go into specifics about specific mm-hmm. players per se, um, but I have to imagine uh, Mickey's comments to the public-facing media uh, lit a fire under some of them, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the kickstart you might need. Obviously, you know, I'm sure he's... He's telling the guys the same stuff in practice, but, um, you know, obviously he, he gets to assess that group. And I mean, thinking about leadership, obviously it's a it's a pretty different group from last year. I mean, Omar Manning, he's kind of the senior, but at the same time, I mean, he, he, he's not the only guy that has a lot of experience at the college football level. So eventually I think that that guy will come and, you know, <laughs> Mickey will be able to be at the press conference and say, I got this dog in the room now, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. And one of the other interesting things that we got to kind of get a little bit more information about, obviously the special teams. I mean, last year was a a huge area of concern. Bill Bush, you know, taking that that lead role. Uh, But it seems like there's a lot of different other coaches, and it's kind of a team effort so far.
1: Yeah, that's what Bill Bush was talking about last week in that, you know, he was very high on all of the assistants and said that they're, you know, an important asset to – you know making this thing work even though it starts with him mm-hmm. right he just needs the buy-in from the assistants and he specifically named Chenander as one of the guys who's helping out with drills and so i asked eric about it yesterday why that's important to him and he went on talking about how it's important for his guys to see that it's not only I mean, it's important for him too mm-hmm. so it should be important to them and i thought that was really interesting
0: yeah, and I mean the other thing we got to hear is you know you said too there's a big difference between say a third stringer who doesn't play special teams and a fourth stringer who plays special teams mm-hmm. that's going to you know change a lot over the season it's a lot of different game experience and chance to get out there show what you're worth so obviously for those players it's a it's a big deal to you know get that chance maybe their position coaches you know making sure that they're they're in the right spot as they mm-hmm. as they see fit and I guess you know the, the only other thing from uh, you know the last week of practice that you know we we already kind of knew that the defensive line would would have good depth. We just got a little bit more insight to how those individual players are working. Um, first chance to really talk to O'Shawn Mathis in kind of that group media setting. And I, me personally, I guess I was just kind of impressed that how comfortable he seemed with all of it. I mean, obviously. TCU, big-time college football program, not like he hasn't done any of that in the past. But, you know, he spoke about how he just fit in with his teammates right away. You know, got everybody's phone number, you know, film session, working out together. Uh, You know, the the type of stuff that you'd really want for that group Mm -hmm. to come close together. Uh, So it seems like Mathis is fitting in there right away. And, you know, some of the other pieces, you know, along the interior of the defensive line, Obviously, we knew, we knew Nash, we knew Ty Robinson, those two guys are there. Uh, it seems like UTAN native Colton Feist, he, he seems to be a, a pretty popular guy among that coaching staff for what he's doing so far.
1: Yeah, and it's not just the coaching staff. Like every other like, defensive player that we've spoken to in availability, it feels like they've been, you know, just heaping praise all on Colton, saying that, you know, he, he's going to contribute. And yeah. when you have your teammates saying that, you're standing out in practice.
0: For sure. And, I mean, he, he got on the field a little bit last year impressed. And, you know, the kind of thing is, too, then we, we got to talk to him. And he's very, very kind of humble, very plain and low. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm just learning the technique, you know, just getting out there. well, I, I, think, I think he's probably got some of that technique down. <laughs> I, yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> and, you know, the, the other thing, too, you know, you get the transfers coming in. And, and Alabama transfer Stephen Wynn seems to be a guy that's really working his way up. Uh, but kind of the flip side, Huskers still waiting on Texas Tech transfer Devin Drew, uh, the academic transcripts to get those processed and make sure that he's good to go enroll and you know finally start some team activities. Um, you know that that process has been going on for a while now, and you know Drew, a guy that you know the coaching staff was hoping you'd contribute. You know, obviously still can, but you know it might take a little while to get up to speed with that. Um, so something to to watch moving forward. Like I said, we'll get the chance to, to see a little bit more open practice. We'll have more observations for you in our next pod. But now, you know, let's kind of let's get to the main bit. Let's let's talk the schedule. Um, you know, generally, I think it's it's kind of sets up in an interesting way. Obviously, the week zero, you get two two buys during the season. You know, might be a little bit of an advantage there. But, you know, the tough. The November, the backloaded schedule, mm-hmm. um, it, it really adds something important to this. these first three, four games, doesn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you start off Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Oklahoma. That's your first four. First three are very winnable games. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry a little bit about the second game, not just because, you know, North Dakota is in a good conference for the FCS, but I'm more worried about if jet lag and how they're responding from that. Cause I know I'm going to be tired and I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so uh, I'm worried about that a little bit, but the back end of that schedule, I mean the last four, I mean the last, yeah, the last four or five games, mm-hmm. Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. Woof. Yeah. Woof. That. Ooh. So you have to start strong because you're going to drop. Yeah. A game for or sure or more. At the end of the season, if you want to be bowl mm-hmm. eligible, you have to take care of business. Take care of business early; you just have to.
0: Yeah, it's 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 definitely not one of those cases where, you know, you can hover around five hundred and you know expect to be really competitive there at the end of the year to pick up some games. I mean, it's it's going to be a real challenge if they're if they're still searching there at the end of the year. So, you know, that that brings us to kind of the burning question for today. Is this Week 0 game against Northwestern the most important one on the schedule? If
1: they lose it, I think it is.
0: For sure, yeah. I mean, it's it, It's just the kind of thing where, you know, obviously they destroyed Northwestern last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody's necessarily saying they need to go out there and, you know, beat them by seven touchdowns again. But if you do start that season with a loss, you know, it's already one against you in the conference. You know, it's not just some random non-conference game mm-hmm. to start off with. And as you mentioned, I mean, the, the path to bowl eligibility just becomes that much harder. Um, but obviously, if they win, you know, the focus will be on to Oklahoma, which I think is is probably what the other people would say is oh, the most sure. important game. Um, you know, for many yeah. historical reasons, not just for their bowl eligibility for the season. Um, but I mean, when, when you look at that Northwestern team, obviously last year was was kind of a, a struggle for them. You know, a lot of different pieces. but. You know, they obviously have a decent amount of talent. Pat Fitzgerald, he gets that team competitive a lot of the time. Um, so do, do you think that they're going to be able to come out there week zero and, you know, be that kind of pesky Northwestern team that we usually see?
1: I mean, the last time Northwestern was coming off a really bad season, it was 2019, they went 3-9. and nine. Uh, they rebounded and then some by winning yeah. the Big Ten West. <laughs> yeah. So that concerns me a little bit for Nebraska because it shows that you know Pat Fitzgerald he can get he can get his guys going, and uh, I'm sure they Northwestern has a chip on their shoulder from last year. I mean fifty six to seven yep. pretty
0: embarrassing. Yeah, without a doubt. So we'll be interested to see what kind of version of them we get. Uh, Amy will be there in Ireland, so safe travels well. to her and, and everyone else who will be heading out there. Uh, pretty unforgettable trip. And, you know, after that, you know, it's a it's a long stretch there at Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. Huskers not going on the road for a while. They'll be here. They'll be at home. And starting off the non-conference slate, it'll be North Dakota. Uh, went 5-6 and six in the FCS, Missouri Valley Conference, Strong Conference, as you mentioned last year. And, you know, it, it's kind of, in my eyes, you know, it's kind of a, a litmus test. It's like, you know, Northwestern, obviously, conference opponent. You expect that to be relatively close, you know, a team that's played Nebraska close. Um, but, you know, you, you get to North Dakota, you know, FCS, lots of really good teams at that FCS level. It's not always going to be a cakewalk, but really, I mean, if we're talking second quarter, third quarter, and things aren't really kicked into gear, it's going to be a real concern, I think, to that coaching staff if, if the team isn't ready to pick up and hit the ground running there.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Nebraska, to my knowledge, has never lost to an FCS opponent. Pretty sure. Um, so that would be embarrassing. Yep. What would be doubly embarrassing is forking over, you know, 515k for a team to come beat
0: Absolutely. you.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it's the it matches up well for Nebraska. I mean, their defense, North Dakota's defense, is relatively undersized and inexperienced, mm-hmm. um, and that'll help the offense. I think you know take advantage of some of those mismatches. Um, yeah, but but we'll see.
0: Yeah. And the thing for North Dakota, it seems like they have a lot of starters back on offense. But, yeah, the, the defense seems to be kind of the issue for them. So that'll be really interesting to see, you know, some of these games, you know, can the offense just get up early, you know, run them, beat them down? Or will it, you know, will it be kind of a little bit more of a, a struggle, you know, slogging through that game? And pretty similar, you know, type of situation. But obviously Sunbelt opponent the week after that, Georgia Southern, and an even bigger amount of money that they paid to get him here.
1: Yeah, that one's $1.4 million. And I am honestly less worried for Nebraska against Georgia Southern as mm-hmm. I am against North Dakota. At least North Dakota's coach has been there for several seasons. I think nine Bubba's been there. So Georgia Southern, it's Clay Helton is trying to revamp yeah. uh, a pretty rough uh team that he inherited and there's going to be a lot of growing pains i mean there's a new offensive scheme a new quarterback new coaches all across the board it's uh yeah i uh i would expect if things go as they should the nebraska's backups will get considerable playing time in that one definitely
0: yeah that that, that's the kind of game you're looking um for that obviously a, a week before the oklahoma game you know make sure everybody comes through that healthy and everything and you know, in terms of the national view, uh, Lindy's, you know, one of those top college football magazines has Georgia Southern 120 out of 131 uh, among the FBS schools. So kind of, you know, trying to build that back up, as you said. So that'll be that'll be the foe getting Nebraska ready for arguably, I mean, one of the, the biggest games Memorial Stadium is hosted in in a few years. Obviously, you know, I, I think the atmosphere for college game day when Ohio State came to town. Um, was phenomenal, kind of that big game atmosphere that you're looking to. But you know, three and oh Nebraska, if if they can make it there, you know, make it through those games, Oklahoma, obviously preseason top ten team. I mean, it it will be electric to welcome that Big Twelve foe back into Memorial.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Oklahoma can get um, everything under control. By
0: sure, then. sure. <laughs> um,
1: don't really want to talk about it, but it's been. It's been kind of wild down there in Norman the last couple of days, um, but that's more than a month away. Yeah. I'm sure they'll get all of that figured out. Uh, but yeah, granted, this team's supposed to be really good, uh, but it's also a little bit of a different team since Lincoln Riley's not there anymore. You have Brent Venables there, um, but they'll get all of their rust and you know communication issues out during their non-conference early slate too I think yeah. so it should be good I mean both of these teams are poised to be undefeated going into this one mm-hmm. so it should be fun
0: definitely and I mean I I thought Venables he was one of the best defensive coordinators in the country obviously there at Clemson and you know it's going to be different obviously you know Nebraska not a conference opponent for them but you know a different big 12 weird. yeah it's, it's going to be a different style of offense you know that he'll have to defend against and you get Dylan Gabriel coming in guy who had a lot of success there at Central Florida uh, you know, one of the top passers in the country. So I think I think he'll be a great fit for that Oklahoma team. He'll be able to put up some points for them. Um, but, w- you know, we'll, we'll be interested to see how competitive is it going to be because, you know, even these marquee games last year, Nebraska so close in so many of them got the stat. Nebraska 0-13 against ranked opponents under Scott Frost. And a win here, I mean, it, it would stand out above every other win as just the best he accomplished so far.
1: Yeah, the last time Oklahoma came to Memorial Stadium, two thousand nine, Nebraska won. Yeah. So, stranger things have happened.
0: Definitely. And after that, I mean, it'll be, it'll be a little bit of a challenge, I think. You know, to to bring that same enthusiasm against <laughs> Indiana. Um, it's
1: homecoming, and it's a night yeah, game, so yeah. that helps a little. There's there's actually yeah there's
0: actually quite a bit of history, not recent history, but yeah, they have played quite a few games against Indiana in the past. And this is going to be a big one, too, because Indiana kind of crashed and burned last year. I mean, they were... It's
1: being nice. Yeah,
0: they, they completely fell short of of every expectation that they had. Um, so, you know, Paul Allen, you know, getting this program back up, you know, making sure that they're kind of at that, you know, bowl-eligible status. Uh, it's going to be a big game for them to come here. Is is Nebraska going to be able to put another team away? Um, because this is the stretch, as we mentioned that they need to be picking up these wins. They need to be beating these teams. And so I guess just what – do you think Indiana is going to be much improved from last year, or will it kind of be a challenge to to get back to the heights they were two years ago? I mean,
1: it can't get much worse,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, they yeah. went
1: they went over in Big 12 yeah. play last year, and the expectations for them preseason are still low. Um, they were pegged to finish dead last in the East. Mm-hmm. So – That's not great. I mean, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, um, tons of transfers, especially a receiver. Yeah. Um, They've got a new defensive coordinator. Like, it's just, there's a lot going on there. Um, But you can't get much worse. So, but again, you never know. Nebraska sometimes surprises you in the wrong ways. For sure. And when you're coming off of a game like Oklahoma, you don't want that the next one to feel like a trap game mm-hmm. or the one before.
0: Yeah. And I mean, obviously it'll depend on the season record at that point, but I mean, speaking far out now, you'd expect Nebraska's going to be a, a pretty decent favor in that game. Mm-hmm. So are they going to be able to, you know, win it by as much as they should take care of business, you know, limit mistakes that you want to see in those kind of games. And after that, Week six, six game a road of the year. game finally a, a true road game, <laughs> a big Ten opponent on the road, and it's Rutgers for a sleepy Friday night game. I mean, we'll see, you know what I, I don't want to you know throw too much shade. We'll see how you know the town can turn out for that Friday night game, but you get, you, get, you get the sense. usually those Friday night games are a little bit less attended, regardless. I mean
1: unless it's Black Friday. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you know Rutgers kind of in that middle spot i mean five and eight last year two and seven in the big ten though obviously you know tough division competing in the east they get pretty much half their starters back so there's room there's room to improve obviously greg Schiano. he's he's back there for a second stint and he he had a lot of success with rutgers in the past um, but still kind of trying to to work their way up you get you do get the sense i at least i think i do with this game that if there's ever a trap game, I, I feel like it's that one. I feel one. like it's this yeah. one.
1: Yeah. It's it's uh, – but Rutgers is going to have to come prepared. I mean, their uh, scoring offense last year was abysmal. It was mm-hmm. like 19.7 points per game, which is like among the worst in all of FBS last year, yeah. not just Power 5. five. Um, and they have a very transfer-heavy offensive line, and that – to me, like your offensive line is one of the most important things for your offense, and they've got a ton of transfers on it. And if they don't jive, it could be a very long day for Rutgers, especially against Nebraska's defensive line and
0: their edge rushers. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And after that, back to back road games, road no game. less. <laughs> so they're, they're finally there, they are on the schedule. Nebraska goes to Purdue, obviously, you know, the, the Big Ten West opponent. They've they've had some some real ups and downs against Purdue. Uh, you know, loss in 2019 was just a heartbreaking one. Purdue drove down and won that with about a minute left. Really hurt the team's bowl chances. And again in 2021, another tough loss uh, that really hurt them in the bowl. Beat them in 2020 at home. So be interesting to see how they do. Uh, they're on the road. Different offense, a lot of different offense. You know, we've gotten used to these guys. You know, Rondell Moore, David Bell. Uh, you know, the, these real stars there at mm-hmm. Purdue. Well, you know, they're, they're kind of gone. You know, they they've reloaded. They've got some different guys. Iowa Whiteout, Tyrone Tracy, he'll be in the mix this year. Um, but this Purdue team, you know, 9 and 4, 6 and 3 Big 10 last year. They've they seem to always kind of pick up a lot of wins here and there and Nebraska might be a game that they're looking to pick up there, especially at home.
1: Yeah, and if you look at Purdue last season, I think they're a case study in what Nebraska could have been, because mm-hmm. uh, going into the game against Nebraska, Purdue was four and three. They win, and then they go to nine and four. So it just it shows how one thing going your way, yeah, so you can really build on that. Um, I'm a little worried about Purdue's whiteouts, right? Because you don't, like you said, you don't have David Bell, and then the guy who was supposed to like take over that, right? Milton, right? Academically ineligible. Uh, there's a lot of inexperience there, mm-hmm. and I think the secondary needs to take advantage if they want to win.
0: Yeah, so a few few question marks there. Um, obviously, Aiden O'Connell, he had a pretty good pretty good season a year ago. You know, expect to be one of those veteran Big Ten quarterbacks, so should be able to keep him pretty competitive. Oh, obviously, for sure. Obviously, the ceiling will depend on the wideouts. so mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be kind of the question. And you know, now we're getting game eight, Illinois. And if we're talking about big games, I mean, this is going to be a huge one because looking at the way that, you know, the the season's going to shake out, Nebraska very well could be five and two, four and three, desperately needing a win to get to bowl eligibility in this one.
1: And you can't lose three in a row to Illinois.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You can't. Oh, yeah. Like, that would make history in all of the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't think that that's going to happen again. Um, but then again, I didn't think they would lose the season opener Definitely. to them last year either. So, uh, yeah, their defense is supposed to be really good again. Um, but we'll see. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, and a lot of that success hinges on their quarterback, uh, Tommy DeVito. Mm-hmm. He played really well at Syracuse. All the way back in 2019 feels like a million years ago, um, but he hasn't started since. So, will he be able to play like he did, or will he be a little bit rusty? We'll find out.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Brett Bielema, you know, taking over this Illinois program, obviously had a ton of success with with Wisconsin here in the Big Ten West. And I mean, if you're if you're in Nebraska, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, losing three in a row would be really hard to stomach. What would be even harder is if you get the sense that. Illinois is kind of climbing up, you know, the Big Ten rankings ahead of them. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're building something better there, so that'll be that'll be, I think, a really big one. Um, you know, it, it is possible if a lot of these other games, you know, go the right way, they could have clinched bowl eligibility already. You they know, could. could be six and one. You never know how that's going to shake out, but I think definitely that that Week A game is is pretty likely to be what could bring them to six wins or maybe even to five with ahead of that tough November slate?
1: Yeah, just it feels like a must-win because after that, it gets pretty dicey.
0: Yeah, and right ahead, you, you go into Minnesota. And for me, I guess this is kind of like a, a measuring stick game in a sense because mm-hmm. Minnesota, they get out-recruited by Nebraska every year, but yet when it comes time to play on the field, Minnesota seems to be a lot more disciplined, make a lot fewer mistakes, and come away with the win more often than not. Um, obviously, bowl eligibility might be on the line here again, or just, you know, make sure that you're competitive in the Big Ten West um, ahead of a pretty big game coming up there against Wisconsin, also the Big Ten West uh, in two weeks' time. But that, that Minnesota team, Muhammad Ibrahim, he's still there. You know, one, How? Of, the, one of these guys where you're like, <laughs> man, he's been in college for like a decade. It so. feels like it. And
1: with the <laughs> COVID,
0: yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think there's, there's a lot of veteran guys on that Minnesota team, but at the same time, um, a lot of question marks still in the air. Yeah. Well, obviously, game nine will have a, a lot better sense after, you know, two-thirds of the season go by. But, I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough one. Minnesota always plays tough.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of those question marks is offensive line. Of course, it'll be, it's like, what, game nine at that point? Yeah. So they'll figure it out. But they do replace four of their five starters, which is
0: important. Mm-hmm.
1: Hopefully, or not. Hopefully, for Nebraska fans, they'll figure it out by then.
0: Yeah, and talking about replacing starters. Um, after that, it's off for probably the biggest road game of the year. Definitely, you I'm get a excited. you get a big time college football environment up there, Ann Arbor, yeah. playing the Wolverines, uh, a team that returns a lot on offense, but barely anything on defense. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, um, a lot of those stars from last year mm-hmm. are gone. You know, the guys who helped lead Michigan. You know, deep in the season. Twelve and two, eight, eight and one in the Big Ten. They were a really, really tough team down the stretch. And is that defense, you know, gonna come along? Are the players gonna step up and, you know, fill those voids? I think obviously we expect we expect the offense should be pretty decent again, but in the Big Ten you're gonna need you're gonna need defense to win these games in November yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah, they only returned one starter on the defensive line and mm-hmm. the depth there is lacking. Um, but again, the game's in November, so things will be a little more pieced together then. Uh, but that's definitely an area of concern for them. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I mean that's a kind of interesting one too, because obviously we had Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL all off season only to, to come back and it, you know, it seems like their 2023 recruiting class might be feeling the effects of that a little bit. so, going to be an interesting year for Michigan, too. Are they going to be able to to keep some of that same level of success, or will it be kind of an uphill battle to get back? We'll see See what happens for the Wolverines. But after that, final two games of the year, Big Ten West opponents, you know, really doesn't get any much bigger than this, you know, other than that Oklahoma game early in the year. Wisconsin coming to town, a team that uh, has produced some tough moments for for Husker fans. Mm-hmm. I think it's Obviously, just the, the downhill running, and it just seems like every year there just gets to a point in the game where you know they're going to run the ball, and they just run it all the way down the field for another touchdown, put the game out of reach. Uh, it's, it's happened quite a lot. The Badgers currently have an eight-game winning streak over Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a matchup that seemed kind of promising early in the Big Ten days has sour there for Nebraska. Has shaped up to be... Yeah.
1: The rivalry that they want. Yep.
0: And, you know, kind of the interesting thing in the West here is, I guess, I guess Wisconsin is the favorite kind of by default. You know, they've been the most consistent program. They have a lot of, well, a few guys coming back on offense, but, you know, the, the defense seems to be a little barren. So, mm-hmm. you know, who, who knows? Could be a big, big game for the West. You know, those standings, whether it's Wisconsin or Nebraska who can, you know, be at that top. But Wisconsin, you know, kind of that, that top opponent in the West again.
1: Yeah, they're even though they the cupboard is a little bare, mm-hmm. so to speak. They're still primed to to take the West this season. Um, it's been a while since they've made it to the Big Ten title game, but I don't know if this could be the year for them finally breaking through what feels like a drought for them. Which is funny um, to say it's a drought, yeah. <laughs> right? Because they've just been so successful. But you got to get there. The Big Ten title yep. game, which. Nebraska has a lot of work before
0: they can Definitely. get
1: to that point. We're just talking yeah. about getting eligible yes, for a bowl. Yes,
0: absolutely. And, um, of course, you know, it, it's a major hypothetical to, to think that they yeah. could be competing for a Big Ten West. But, you know, it, it's within the, the realm of possibilities. If everything goes right, you know, that, that game could be a big one. But, yeah. obviously, you know, Week 12, exactly who you're looking to on the schedule there. Iowa, it'll be another road game going to Iowa City and... You know, talking about Wisconsin, well, you know the the rivalry against Iowa has been very, very one-sided Lock-sided. as well. Yes. And you know this Iowa team, not ranked to begin the year, but we've seen this a lot. We've seen Iowa be that team. You know, they're always sitting there at you know eight and three or whatever it is. You know, by the time you get there, you know they they win. They win a lot of games that they need to win. Um, they're competitive. You know, against some of those top top tier opponents, and like I said, always always show up. Uh, for this game against Nebraska, thing that stands out to me, eight starters back on offense, eight starters back on defense as well. You know, maybe, maybe not those like all big 10 guys, you know, the guys that just pop off the page, but you need a lot of these consistent, reliable guys. Spencer Petras, you know, the, the quarterback is, is one of them that they're going to need to step up.
1: And, uh, Jack Campbell, he's Mm -hmm. a menace. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been seven losses in yeah. a row, and the last four have been within a touchdown. Like that stings even more. Yep. Um, maybe this is the year. Um, but we've got a lot of football to go before we can see for certain Absolutely. If
0: that's the case. A lot of a lot of game-winning field goals too. You know, as like time expires, it you yeah. know it. Especially for a team like Nebraska that's had some struggles in the kicking game, I mean that's a <laughs> that's an extra punch in the gut right there for 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 those games against their rival. So I guess the, you know that's just kind of how we see the schedule right now. You know we'll we'll get deeper in the year. You know we'll have the chance to to see how these teams fare. Obviously their their early season contests, chance to you know actually see these players in action versus just seeing the roster, seeing the depth charts, how they break down. So. You know, we'll be interested to see how you know maybe the regular season progresses in a way that you know we, we thought it wouldn't you know maybe one of these teams is is gonna you know blow our expectations out of the water we'll just have to wait and see um, so hopefully that that gives you a little bit of context for for how the schedule will break down obviously like we said early season super important you know you can look you can look forward to that November as you know some great opponents um, you know some great challenges but Really got to take care of business early on. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that'll just about do it here for episode two of Life in the Red. We'll be back at you next week, you know, talking even more practice observations, uh, getting the chance probably to dig into that Northwestern matchup a little bit more, Mm -hmm. uh, scout it out a little bit. You know, we'll talk to you, see what... See what we're looking forward to there in Ireland, maybe any any tourist destinations, you know, l let Amy know where she needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been Life in the Red Podcast by Lincoln Journal Star.